Good afternoon. Thanks so much for tuning in to another episode of Encouraging Your Spirit, the podcast. And I'm your host, Chris. Today, as promised, we're finishing up our culmination of looking at Luke 15 by talking about the parable of the lost son, or sometimes it's referenced as the parable of the prodigal son. It reads as follows. Jesus continued, There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son and threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Meanwhile, the older son was in the field. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of the servants and asked him what was going on. Your brother has come, he replied, and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father went out and pleaded with him. But he answered his father, look. All these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders, yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours, who has squandered your property with prostitutes, comes home, you kill the fattened cow for him. My son, the father said, you're always with me and everything I have is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Each of these parables is a progression. Each involves recovery and reclamation followed by celebration. And here's what I mean. The first two declare that finding a long thing legitimately results in rejoicing. They also equate finding and recovery with repentance. But this parable is different, longer, some say thicker, and with complexities. And here's what I mean. For example, the son's request 
for his father's inheritance is the equivalent of wishing his father were dead. And since he was the younger son, shouldn't he have gotten a smaller sum? There is nothing to compel the father to grant the request, but he does. The father also appears to be extremely indulgent because such a request would generally bring shame to the family. Or the father running to greet his son. That's different because men in Jesus's culture, and we are talking about uh, Jewish culture and, and Jews because Pharisees represented Jews, tax collectors represented Jews. They Men in this culture would not run like the father did. Or even in the present culture, we've often heard that God meets you halfway. That's not true, but we've heard that. And um, is this what grace looks like is another question. Is God's grace a grace so eager to give and restore? Or what about how the other parables, the one about the sheep and the shepherd and the lost coin, talk about repentance, yet the word repentance isn't used in this parable? I mean, is repentance implied in verse 17 with the statement he came to himself? Some people say yes. After all, he's hit rock bottom. He confesses his sin. He rehearses it and begins to deliver it even after his father embraces and kisses him. On the other hand, you know, coming to yourself or coming to himself, as it said in the scripture, can indicate clarity. He came to his senses. Is the elder brother correct is another question. I mean, he's given reliable service. No extravagant celebration has ever been given to him. I mean, when we look at the whole chapter and you're looking at the previous parables, you know, the progression that we're talking about is how you have one sheep that was lost while 99 stayed together. A woman searched for a coin while holding on to nine. But considering that this uh, parable is called the you know, parable of the lost son, could it be said that both sons in the family are lost, including the one who never left home? There is also no one son that's rejected and one son that is accepted. For the father calls the elder son son and confirms his full place and favored standing within the family. And what does this all mean? And here's what's true. Jesus is giving us a powerful picture of what the father is like. The younger son is thinking of relationship in context of human experiences. And here's what I mean. In a human experience, human experience teaches us that when we hurt someone, they take offense or maybe they get offended. Sometimes they close off a part of their heart toward us. And generally, the only way to get them to open their heart to us again is by demonstrating true remorse, then proving over time that we are trustworthy. However, God's love isn't based on our behavior or our performance or our actions. The love of God doesn't change toward us regardless of our behavior, actions, past, present, or future. God is constant, so much so that it is said he cannot change his mind. He loves us entirely. He knew what we were going to do over time and still chose to place his affection over us. This story is a testament to the issue of relationship and fellowship. And here's what I mean. Relationship means we are of the same blood. 
It is based on the unconditional love that the Father has for the Son. Relationship is forever possible because of the sacrifice of Jesus. In relationship, we stand in His righteousness and are given grace to conform to God's image. This is the paramount reason why God put us into Christ. The Father has put us into relationship with Jesus, and He will not take us out of this placement. And here's what I mean in relationship to this story. This story is about the Father's heart toward us. The son thought that his behavior nullified his relationship in the family, and the absolute best he could do was hope maybe for some mercy, hope maybe to be a servant. But we don't and we cannot lose relationship. We can't lose our place in the family of God because of our behavior and actions. And why is that true? I'm so glad you asked. This is because it is by blood that we have a relationship. The father ran to the son because he had always carried the burden of fellowship. The father celebrated because the fellowship had been restored. The relationship was never in doubt. Both sons didn't understand that relationship and fellowship were very different. God abides in relationship. We abide in fellowship. He maintains the relationship. We maintain the fellowship. Jesus stands before the Father as the giver of relationship. The Holy Spirit works in our lives as the empower of fellowship. What does that mean for our lives today? It means that we must learn to live in the consistent nature of God. And if you ask, what exactly is the consistent nature of God? It's that the Father will never change His heart toward us, like the Father in the story of the prodigal son. He only wants to love us, no matter the decisions, the mistakes, or the successes that we have. His love is constant. His love is enduring. His love is always there for each and every one of us. That's all I have for you today. I thank you so much for tuning in and being a part of our ever-growing listening family. You can always reach out with your prayer requests and comments and thoughts to Encouraging Your Spirit Podcast at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Peace.